Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing today? Live, very live. <laughs> yes, I can't think of anywhere else I would rather be than right here, right now. That is right. high praise. <laughs> and it sounds like a Jesus Jones song from, I want to say, 1990, maybe. Right? Well, yeah. It's also, you know, the Bills who the Chiefs play this weekend. It's their one of their big phrases. Where would you uh, rather be than right here? Okay. Right now? I'm always a laggard when it comes to NFL references. I'm glad I've got you. No, I, as I a, didn't I didn't even think about the Jesus Jones. Yeah, that's <laughs> Gen X, Gen X uh forever. Yeah, that's right. Folks, that's right. we're gonna have a lot of fun today, and we are glad you're here with us. We continue our series, long running series, goodness, supply chain today and tomorrow with Mike Griswold with Gartner. And like I mentioned, we're going to have some fun, lean into the holidays. We're going to be talking about, Greg, classic holiday movies that, whether you like it or not, they teach supply chain management principles, leadership lessons, and we didn't even know it. Greg, should be a fun conversation, huh? Anything that keeps us from talking about whether a certain movie is a holiday movie or not. Right. That is right. And maybe we'll we got on that last year, didn't we? I think we spent about 17 minutes talking about that last year. I yeah. think you're right. But always a great conversation with our dear friend, longtime featured guest, Mike Griswold, stops by. Greg, we get a lot of feedback around this series and this month's yeah. show, right? Long standing, but not long in the tooth. Yeah. I mean, right. we always learn something whenever whenever Mike comes through town. Well, That's right. I mean, not technically through town. <laughs> He's still out in the boonies, but... <laughs> It's not quite like Santa Claus through, popping in. Through the studio, let's right. say that. Right. <laughs> well, folks, stick with us. It's going to be a great conversation, and I promise you, you're going to learn a lot of great insights. One of the smartest folks in industry, no doubt. All right. Before we bring on Mike, I want to uh, share a resource for y'all. And if you haven't signed up yet, we encourage you to check do it out. It. Right. Yeah. Do it. That's right. Just do it. With that said, it's our almost weekly newsletter where we offer up News you may have missed, points of view from across global business. And Greg, one of my favorite parts about this is it kind of gives a rundown of like the next week of live programming so folks can see something they like, sign up for it, and, and get a friendly reminder to join us. Pretty cool, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, when they can see my son-in-law playing Santa Claus on all the Rankin Bass Nation stories, <laughs> right? right? That is right. I swear you never, he looked just like that. <laughs> well, yeah, and you never know what's going to pop up. This week, we touched on everything from economy to manufacturing to a core supply chain to litigation involving retailers getting sued because their chatbots are, are withholding tons of information. That was interesting, Greg. So y'all check it out. We're dropping a link in the chat. And as always, let it give us your feedback of maybe what you'd like to see. And with that said, that'd be valuable too, right, Greg? Yeah, that would be great. Uh, yeah, tell us what you want to see. That's a great idea. That is. I mean, but you got to sign up first because if you don't watch it, if you don't see it, we don't really care what you, know, you want to see. 
Right. You got at least, it's kind of like that moment. We, I watched The Office last night. Commit. Yes, commit. Commit. Read the book because there will be a quiz. You got to read the newsletter. There will be a quiz. And of course, we want your feedback. Well, I like and that. It, yeah. Absolutely. Let's see here. Josh Goody with us from Seattle. The, the logistics for the last part of White Christmas is Man, amazing. I hope you didn't just spoil I hope that wasn't a spoiler, Josh. I hope not either. We don't know what Mike is going to select as the movies. Well, Greg, to that point, let's find out. Let's get him in here. So no further ado, I want to bring in our featured guest, dear friend, Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Hey, hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, great, everyone. I'm not nearly as smart as Josh because that wasn't on my list. Probably. Oh, well, maybe we'll let Uh, Josh take a run at movie number four. Yeah, exactly. And right now is actually a very good Van Halen song. Okay. Yes, it is. One of my favorites. Okay. We're going to add that to the list. And by the way, Mark's offering up Happy Holidays. Gino Pledger's in from North Alabama. And Josh, as we mentioned, as Mike is challenging, Mike and Greg, tell us what that lesson learned from White Christmas is all but about. But not yet. Let's make that movie number four. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. So Greg and Mike, Mike, great to have you back. I, I want to great start to with this. So as Greg and I know, and probably a lot of our listening audience, except the newer members from around the globe, will remember that you're real passionate about coaching and basketball in general, especially women's basketball, big college basketball fan. This season, Greg and Mike, as I was kind of checking out the poll, it looks like South Carolina continues a strong program. UCLA, mm-hmm. NC State are kind of all at the top, I think all undefeated so far. But I want to ask this to you. I'm going to ask both of you all this. What is one player, Mike, or team that will always be one of your faves and why? So I'm actually going to take some poetic license and I'm going to squeeze in too. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back in the way back machine. There was a guy, I'm a big, on the men's side, I'm a big fan of the Duke program. Yeah. Uh, there was a guard named Tommy Amaker who played for Coach K, probably one of the best point guard uh, and point guard defenders that I've seen in quite some time. He's currently the coach at uh, the men's coach at Harvard. Yep. So if you're interested in watching someone that really understood and understands the game and, and plays the position both offensively and defensively, Tommy Amaker is one. And then in the current environment you know, on the women's side, you know, there, there's only a handful of people that I would legitimately pay money to go see at that. And one of them is Caitlin Clark. Iowa plays tonight against Iowa State. She is probably, not probably, she is the best women's player that I've ever seen in person. My wife and I were in Seattle last year at the Women's Regional when she had triple-double with 40 points. Wow. Uh, 12 or 13 rebounds, 10 assists. So she is definitely the most exciting player in the women's game right now in terms of what she does offensively. Those would be two. Okay. Tommy Amaker and Caitlin Clark. Those are good ones. Greg, how about you? Um, Mine's not nearly as creative. I got to see him a lot when we lived in Detroit, and I got to see him a lot when I was working in Chicago. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, unquestionably. They still played defense in the NBA back then. Well, arguably defense, but much more defense than now. But I'd have to agree with Caitlin Clark. She's offensive in so many ways, just like you should be in basketball. Basketball is a smack-talking game, and she has got game talking smack. Yes, yes. Yeah, you have to be able to back it up 
She certainly yeah, can do that. She I does back it up. You're right. And I was at, I, I couldn't agree more on the Michael Jordan um, observation. I was at, if anyone gets a chance to go to the Nike flagship store in Chicago, there's a list of all of Jordan's accomplishments, which basically okay. takes up an entire wall. But the one that strikes me that people may or may not know is the number of times he was defensive player of the year. I mean, he, he has such... Uh, had such a well-rounded game that and most of the highlights you ever see of Jordan are dunking, right, or clutch yeah. shots. But I think it was five, five-time Defensive Player of the Year for, for a person of his ability. To your point, Greg, agree completely. Not sure how much defense they ever played, but they definitely right. played more then than they do now. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one quick thought, and then we're going to keep on driving. So I read this morning that – I'm going to say legendary college basketball coach Cliff Ellis, who's one of the top, I think he ranks number 11th, maybe 10th all-time in wins. He's retiring. And so I'm going to reverse my question, and one of my least favorite players of all time is Tate George with UConn, who reportedly hit a last-second shot. I think it was 1991. Eldon Campbell was on that Clemson team. Dell Davis was on that Clemson team. I freeze my VCR. The ball was still in Tate George's hand. But the referees let it go, and that was one of Clemson's best teams ever. They lost at the last second against UConn. So I know I'm probably one of three people that remember that. But uh, anyway, I wonder where Tate George is now. But Cliff Ellis, what an incredible career, and congrats to you. Yeah, great coach. And in today's environment, they could have replayed that, right? And we would know definitively. But that, having said that, that was a really good connected team. Yes, it was. Uh, also, Greg, you're going to have to explain to people what a VCR is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes. and it, it brings to mind probably one of the most hated players in NCAA history, Christian Leitner mm. from Duke. And yes. hard-earned and well-deserved. So, yes. <laughs> Right. That is right. Well said. And Josh may be a Huskies fan. We'll see. I think they're undefeated on the men's side, I believe. And Mark Preston talking about his Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who won over Duke this week. I'm telling you, I I went and watched them play Mississippi State. They are for real. They stomped the guts out of a top 20 team. I was very impressed by that. I got to put them on my radar. A lot of good stuff. Man, we got some good basketball passion going on on the front of this episode. So that tells me we got to get to work. And I'm really looking forward to basketball movies instead of holidays. (laughs) No kidding, Greg. (laughs) Hindsight, right? 2020. Uh, But it is December 6th. About y'all, but I'm really looking forward to finding some way to get into the holiday spirit earlier. I like this phrase, PTK every day. Hanukkah starts tomorrow. That's right. So That's right. Hanukkah starts tomorrow. So, you know. Well, the holidays will be here. That's right. That is right. So to that point, Greg and Mike, what we want to walk through is we're going to take a deep... So Mike mentioned the Wayback Machine. That reminded me of George Michael's sports machine back in the day. I think he had a Wayback Machine on that program that ran forever. So we're going to go back in the Wayback Machine. We're going to pick three movies, holiday movies, that teach us supply chain management, leadership, lessons learned, you name it. Mike's going to share three. We're going to get Greg's take. We're going to get y'all's take. So y'all be thinking about movies that uh, you can find a business lesson in. So Mike... With all of that said, let's start with your first movie. Yeah, I'm, we're going to go from kind of semi-serious to funny. So we'll get the semi-serious out of the way. And that's actually the Charlie Brown Christmas special. 
And the reason I, I picked that is as I reflect on that, right, the, the main message is what's the true meaning of Christmas, right? At the end of the day, you've got that scene with Linus at this on, on stage telling Charlie Brown, this is what the true meaning of Christmas is. And I think, you know, Charlie Brown's perspective early was getting caught up in all the glitz and glamour of kind of a, a manufactured Christmas. And I think it's easy for us in the supply chain to, to fall trapped to what are the, the bright, shiny objects? What are the new kind of things that are being thrown at us or the new things that we're being asked to explore? And it's very easy for us to lose sight of what is the true purpose of our supply chain? Why do we as an organization have a supply chain? And if I think about our research around supply chain segmentation, and we think about supply chains trying to manage that balance between you know, speed, service, and cost, right? It's, it's really around what's the core mission of our supply chain? Why do we have one? And how do we not get distracted by all the things that can distract us, whether it's technology, whether it's the problem of the day, whether it's something larger, maybe it's COVID, whatever, whatever it could be, it's how really good organizations recognize why they have a supply chain and they stay really focused on those elements. I think of our supply chain top 25 companies. One of the reasons you see the perennials in there, the masters, the companies that are in the top seven or eight are, are pretty consistently there. It's because they're able to do that. They're able to focus on, this is what we're really good at. We're not going to get distracted. This is our supply chain mission. And we know the, the true meaning of our supply chain. So that was my first example. All right. So I love that. So Greg, I'm going to get your take. That was, he referenced the Char A Charlie Brown Christmas from 1965. What quite a classic. Greg, your thoughts there. Wow. That was not an angle I was expecting. I would thought it was going to be like examples uh, but yes, of course, why, yeah, what is the true meaning of, of supply chain, right? Mm. That is, mm. uh, wow, man, dude, that is way too philosophical. I was not ready for that, <laughs> but I, I agree. I think that that's the important thing is to know the job. What is the goal? What are the desired outcomes? That sort of thing. And to stick to that and regardless of whatever distractions or disruptions or, you know, bright, shiny objects are out there. If you maintain that focus on the goal, I love that again with the end in mind, if you maintain that focus on the goal, then you'll be so much stronger as an organization. Everything you do kind of waterfalls from that. Damn, Mike, that was powerful stuff. I'm serious. <laughs> I was not ready for something that philosophical. That is really impressive. If I could go back and thank you, Greg, if I could go back to the front end of how you started to respond there, Mike, and you kind of were talking about the next shiny, bright, shiny object. And I was only a LinkedIn discussion yesterday. And one of the points that one of the uh, technologists were making is as business leaders are in the rush to embrace the next level of technology or platform or whatever, we can forget about locking the back door and making sure everything we're currently using is secure, right? So I see both of y'all nodding your head. Mike responded out really quick, and then we'll get Greg's take as well. Yeah, I mean, th think about it. If we bring it back to, to, a, to a sports reference, right? I mean, it, it comes down to you have to be really, really good at blocking and tackling or whatever the hockey or soccer equivalent might be, right? 
Right. You have to be really good at that stuff because if you don't have that good foundation and if you don't keep at least one eye on the blocking and tackling, every, anytime you try to overlay kind of this new stuff, it's not on a really good foundation. And, and mm -hmm. A, you run the risk of creating some major challenges, right? but you also run the risk of never getting the value out of whatever that thing is that you've probably built in your business case that you've talked to your leadership team about, hey, we can deliver this, mm -hmm. right? You know, what you use to sell the company on this thing, whatever this is, if it's on an unsteady foundation, you'll never realize the stuff that you thought you could realize. Mm, well said. All right, Greg, that last phrase, a steady foundation, I think that's an element we may have talked about a time or a thousand or two, but Greg, your thoughts? Yes, build not your house on shifting sand, but on the solid stone, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's so critical is to recognize that. And I, you know, the term overlay is really appropriate, Mike, because I think a lot of people think about it that way. They think of it as if we overlay AI or blockchain or pick any flavor of the day, right? Then our supply chain will be fixed. But what you really need to do is integrate it into a sound foundation like Mike's talking about because AI or any technology will simply accelerate the pace of your supply chain. And if your supply chain is going the wrong direction, it's going to accelerate that. So you have to make sure that you short up those fragilities, built-in resiliencies, have your recovery plans, that sort of thing, right? Mm. That you are not, Mike, when you started talking, I could not help, about, help but think about one of the greatest philosophies you've ever espoused, and that is let us not reward the arsonist, yes. right? Let us not celebrate the arson because we have a poor foundation in our supply chain, but we're really, really good at recovering when yes. that poor foundation creates an emergency, right? So first focus exactly. on that foundation and then focus on integrating rather than thinking, thinking of it. I know you weren't, Mike, but many people do. Thinking of it as overlaying this technology, integrating that technology into that sound foundation and understanding the implications of how it could accelerate failure or how it could accelerate success or what other aspects of the supply chain will be impacted by our use of these bright, shiny objects. Yeah, Greg, you're, you're spot on. Over, overlay is not the right word to use. You're exactly right. It really should be integrate. And the other point I agree with completely that we probably, even within Gartner, don't talk enough about, we often talk about kind of, you know, using things, technology, better processes, whatever it might be to accelerate progress. Mm -hmm. But your point is very valid, right? If you don't have a good foundation, you can also accelerate problems. Right. And we, we probably need to be spending as much time being aware of problem acceleration as we are maybe value acceleration. Yep. Excellent. No uh, all right. Y'all, y'all go ahead. Both all of you, that go from Charlie Brown. Yeah. You notes here. Y'all go ahead. If you each have a mic, go ahead and drop it. That's just, just a start, just a start. So the, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to lay it out three movies. The first one we started with was that Charlie Brown Christmas. So Mike, what is movie number two? Yeah. So we're going to, as I said, we're going to go kind of, now we're going to progress into a little bit lighter types of movies. It's home alone. And I, I'll create a public service announcement here real quick. If you want to have a fun, and I would suggest this is for people 21 and older, a fun home alone game with some of your friends and some of your adult beverages is actually turning it into a drinking game around the severity of injury to the protagonist, right? If it's just the emergency room, maybe it's a shot. 
if it's, you know, they're probably dead, could be two shots. But anyway, home alone. So think about that as you're going into the holiday party season. But home alone to me, when, when I think about the movie, it's on all the time now as we get into the season. It's around improvisation and it's around agility and it's around resilience. And it's about being able to kind of canvas your surroundings. And in this case, it's Kevin in the house and, and what kind of things can he take advantage of? But if we think about it as a supply chain, what are the things within your supply chain that you can take advantage of that can make you resilient, make you agile, make you able to respond to things maybe in a more quick, quicker fashion, right? One area, Greg, that's near and dear to both of our hearts is planning, right? right. Do, do you have some ability to respond in a planning uh, mechanism or with a planning mechanism to respond to changes? Can you do things from maybe a staffing perspective that allows you, you know, one of the things that, that we publish, we're going to publish next year, is our ranking of colleges and universities and their graduate and undergraduate programs as it relates to the supply chain. Hmm. Can you build some of those relate relationships to create some agility and some responsiveness? To me, the Home Alone movie is, is all about how do I become resilient, adaptive? How do I work with the things that I have? And I think my message to, to companies as I think about the relationship to the movie is to really take not only a hard look, but take a creative look to what do you have as skills within the supply chain, right? Who knew you could take that little device and put it on a doorknob and heat the doorknob so that it was super hot. Now, we probably could do a whole Mythbusters show around whether that actually works in real life. Right. Uh, but just the examples of creativity in that movie, working with what you have, thinking. And the other, I mean, the last thing I'll say, Greg, I'll let you chime in is just outside the box, right? Yeah. Here's what we have. Let's think outside of the box and what can we do to create a, a better supply chain? So that movie okay. came to mind to me. Okay. Greg, there's a lot there. Well, I'm going to let you, what's your response? I think Kevin did a couple of brilliant things. He both planned for disruption and he limited the opportunity for disruption. For instance, I think about when the guy had to stick his head through the dog door because <laughs> yes. he had jammed the door so well. Yes. And then was that wasn't the iron, but he hits him in the face with something. I can't yes. remember uh, at that point. Yes. The so BB first gun. of all, he knew that disruption would come, right? And he planned for it. And secondly, he limited the opportunity for that by going, okay, if we shore up this door, then there's only this tiny little dog door where disruption can get through. So if you think about those things, right, if you preempt, do sort of a preemptive strike on what could go wrong, or I think more importantly, not just what could go wrong, but if something goes wrong, where is our weakest point, mm. right? Where is our most fragile aspect of our supply chain? And how do we shore that up to minimize the impact of any any disruption. I think one of the ways that we get misguided in supply chain is we try to think of what could happen, right? What could happen? Could another global pandemic happen? Maybe, right? But rather than worry about the exact thing that's going to happen, we should focus on the impact on our supply chain that a disruption 
a major disruption could have, right? Where are the, our weakest points? Focus on those, shore them up, and then slowly and surely eliminate the opportunity for any kind of disruption to really harm the, the effectiveness of our supply chain. Yeah, I, I think, Greg, you're, you're, the other thing I'm thinking as you're saying that, and, and also I think everyone probably, not everyone, but most people know I also have a, a fascination and an interest in military history. There's also, I think, you know, a, a military history aspect to this in terms of funneling people to, to areas where you want the enemy to go. Right. Uh, Kevin did a great job. I'm envisioning the scene of the stairs with the paint cans. Me too. Right? <laughs> he, he funneled people to his strengths, right? If I think right. about it from a supply chain perspective, how do you handle disruption, which I think is a great theme you brought out, Greg, how do you funnel disruption into the areas where you're strong? In this case, yeah. you know, funneling Excellent. the yeah. two of them, you know, the wet bandits funneling them to the stairs. <laughs> and it's interesting if I loosely tie in uh, Home Alone 2, right? Not only did Kevin adapt the paint can, he advanced the paint can, even though they knew what was coming as they tried to come up the stairs, Kevin adapted. So right. there's elements of being able to adapt as well. Yes. Okay, man, y'all really, y'all, I have forgotten some parts of these movies and both of y'all are just nailing it. I would just add to Home Alone 2, the, his interactions with the bellhops and like the butler. Yeah. Oh man, that is classic comedy, a classic yes. comedy. Hey, one, one other thing to pull out. So again, Home Alone came out in 1990. Chat GPT ranks that as the number two all-time holiday, popular holiday movies for whatever that's worth. But behind that Die Hard? No. <laughs> we weren't going to mention that. You're breaking the rules. He said behind, behind Die Hard. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so he mentioned. Uh, I knew we were going to go there. I right. knew we were going to go there, Mike. I almost Last did it earlier. <laughs> Last year, we spent 27 minutes, I think, debating whether that was a holiday movie or not. But anyway. That college list, y'all been publishing for a while. So I think Arkansas has landed top of that list often. Great program. Any of our listeners out there, great program there. And since Mark Preston's there, Georgia Tech has been in that top 25. My hunch, Greg, and maybe Mike, is I bet UGA, who's been making big strides with their supply chain program, I bet they eventually hit the list real, real soon, Greg, right? You think? Yeah. How I'm can't speculate on that. I don't know the rating methodology, but they're pretty nascent. It would be a big leap for them to get there. But wait, are I we saying I, tech is not on it? No, tech is on it. Georgia Tech has tech been on, on it for it, quite some Georgia. time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The tech should I think definitely if, be near the top. At the risk of piling on, Florida State will probably not be on the list. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> and just like that. Just like that. Florida demographics <laughs> just fall off the cliff. Well, regardless. Getting aside, getting aside. I love. <laughs> they, don't, uh, they don't have a tough enough schedule. <laughs> I'm not sure how old that initiative is. I've seen it around. Mike, how long have y'all been running the college and university rankings? Well, we run it every two years. I'm thinking this is at least the fifth. This will be at least the fifth or sixth iteration of this. Okay. Uh, right. We'll have a webinar on it. We're doing the reveal at our symposium event, but the, the the timing just isn't going to line up this year. So around the third week in June, we'll publish the list for both graduate and undergraduate, as well as uh, a big webinar. So and, okay. and obviously, I mean, if we if collectively people think that topic is worthy, I'm happy to talk about it in, in one of these sessions, maybe in June okay. or July after it comes out. But we'll, to, to Greg's earlier comment, we'll let kind of the voice of the customer let us know, or and if you guys are interested, I'm happy to talk more about that. 
Yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Good stuff there. All right. And congrats to all those teams and universities and colleges that we've mentioned and that, that make up list too. A lot of good stuff there. All right. Let's see here. So Charlie Brown Christmas was number one. Home Alone and Home Alone 2, I would add, it were number two. So, Mike, what is number three? Yeah. Well, no, no movie list would not be complete without the Griswold family Christmas. So, number three. And yes, I get asked about this all the time. Okay. But anyway, I think the lesson that I take from that is, and if you think about the movie, right, there's this vision in Clark's mind and my wife accuses me of this uh, of this from time to time as well, right? Yeah. This vision of how you want things to be, how you want things to go, how you expect things to turn out. And invariably, things never turn out the way that you want them to or the way that you expect them to. Now, hopefully, people's plans don't involve kidnapping their boss and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but in, invariably as a supply chain, right? And I go back to, as I said, an area that's near and dear to Greg in my heart, which is this idea of planning and this idea of matching demand and supply. And you know, we, we come in on a Monday and we've got this great idea of how the demand and supply are going to flow perfectly across the week or the month or the quarter. And we all know we come in on Monday and none of that is going to happen, right? We've got, we wake up and there's ships stuck in the Suez Canal, we wake up and there's um, problems at our ports. And I think the, the lesson from that movie in some small way is A, recognizing that the best laid plans of mice and men, they rarely, it rarely plays out that way. So you need to be thinking about contingencies and alternatives. And I think the other message I, I take from the movie is at some point, right, you have to embrace what's happened, right? And you can't fight and worry about what's happened, it's like, what are we going to do next? And I think there, there's a lot of that comes out in the character, right? The, the part about worrying about what had just happened, right? Uh, you know, what, mm -hmm. you know what, what's going to happen potentially next, and maybe not enough of kind of embracing the moment, and, and what are we going to do right now? So that was my third movie. I love that, Greg. And I love for folks that may, if it's your first time, Mike was talking about Mike Griswold and Christmas yes. Vacation. He gets that question all the time. Any relation there? So, Greg, weigh in on Christmas Vacation. Well, first things, I, I do need the answer, Mike. Is there any <laughs> any relation? I'm just kidding. Um, nah, I wish. Yeah. Was wish. that based on your family's Christmases <laughs> in any way? No, I doubt it. Yeah, I think that is such, well, I mean, that is such a great example of utter and complete chaos. And how both not to promote it for instance don't cover your entire house in lights don't invite uncle eddie or even allow him to know where you live so that he shows up unexpectedly those sorts of things don't fry the cat <laughs> yeah. um, various various things like that but i think that the the point mike that you made around not, I wouldn't say embracing, but not necessarily fighting the chaos, but starting to deal with it and ceasing to, to feel guilty or point fingers or wonder why it happened, but instead to get to the work of getting it fixed and recognize that's the most important thing, at least in this moment, and then go back and evaluate both the good, 
and the bad of that and how to how to embrace it after the fact right and find some goodness in your recovery or teamwork or if you think about that movie right the teamwork or the lessons learned shortly after the fact and then figure out how to solve that going forward which is don't have another national lampoon christmas sequel (laughs) so um right i mean seriously just don't let it happen again right Mm. I, th- I think there's also, um, as I kind of think towards the end of the movie, right? I think, and there's the revelation from the boss. There is a subtle message in there around just how you treat people, right? Mm-hmm. And the importance of people in the supply chain and in your organization. And hopefully someone's not getting a jelly of the month, like as kind of their year end present. But there's some... There's some very, I think, poignant dialogue from the boss kind of self-reflecting on, you know, putting people ahead of putting pe- he should have put people ahead of costs, right? Cost savings may look good at the bottom line, but at what expense? And I think I think my positive takeaway is that as I reflect on the, the part of the team that I have talks about supply chain talents. There is, I think, a lot more acknowledgement of the role of people in successful supply chains and how do we recognize that? How do we create better places to work? How do we create more you know, diverse and inclusive work environments? So I think that may be the, the, maybe a, a tangential message out of that movie is you have to put people first. I think we saw that kind of, I think we were forced to see that during the pandemic. I think leading organizations, you know, took that cue and are running with it. Yeah. Uh, I think organizations that are trying to revert are, are going to pay a price in people, quite frankly. So I think that maybe is the second element yeah. of the movie that I hadn't initially thought of, Greg, until you started talking about this idea of disruption. So put people first, except cousin Eddie. I think we can all yes, agree. There. That's exactly what I think. I'm sure that went through everyone's head. Right? So, yes. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a ton of fun. Uh, I really, really wish we could do a top 10. And by the way, Christmas vacation was number six ranked chat GPT of the top 50 most popular holiday movies. So for what this is word, one, it's a wonderful life. It has to be. 19, yeah. 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 1946 for that one. National and by the way, Christmas vacation, 1989. In case you're at a bar drinking a beer and you need a factoid. All right. So we're going to go a little bit longer, but Josh Goody, here's your chance. You mentioned the logistics at the end of White Christmas. Hey, share. Tell us a cool takeaway, whether it's fun or serious. Let us know. All right. So Greg and Mike, always a pleasure. Mike, love these monthly sessions. And one of my favorite questions that we've been asking you, probably for most of this year, is you've got your finger on the pulse. You're talking business leaders around the world whether they're in the Gartner top 25 and high-performing supply chains or, or groups that are trying to get better, right? So I can, uh, I bet you're going to write a series of books whenever you can based on these little sidebar private conversations and, gosh, the stories that you may be privy to. So with all of that said, what's one eureka moment you had from one of your private sidebar conversations in the last month or so? Yeah, I think it's the recognition and it kind of dovetails and with a little bit of what we talked today about, which is the shiny objects and what I talked, I think, last month about, which is kind of this this evolution of how people are thinking about generative AI. 
right? Moving from what is it to how do I use it? The, the, the evolution that I'm hearing now is around the intersection of people and skills and generative AI. And what are the skill sets that we're going to need into the, in the organization to start to figure out the how do I use it? Do we have existing uh, resources in our organizations that we can upskill? Is there a brand new skill set that is maybe just starting to come to the forefront that we need to invest in? So, you know, part of me is guilty of talking about the shiny object because it still is generative AI. But it's also, I think, from a positive perspective, it's continuing to progress as we talk to companies into, if I could call it maybe a more practical vision Mm -hmm. around generative AI, how are we going to use it? And then if we want to use it, what are the skills we need to use it effectively? And do we have those? And I think the jury is still out. And I think the, the, the challenge that I see is the rate at which we understand use cases for generative AI is probably moving more quickly than our understanding of the skill sets. Mm. And I don't see that gap closing. Unfortunately, I do not see that gap closing anytime soon. And I think that's a big challenge for for folks as we move into 2024. Yeah, good stuff there, Mike. And Greg, the intersection that Mike's describing of people skills and gen AI, your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when we talk about generative AI, we often talk about the party trick that is chat GPT, <laughs> right. large language models, which is really just a party trick. But there are really meaningful technologies out there, LoRa AI and LGMs, which are large graph models, which allow you to basically duplicate or assess every aspect of every risk of every component of every supply chain all at once. And that is a really, really powerful tool. And I think more of what Mike is talking about as we mature our usage of these kind of things and start to find appropriate applications for something more than just culling through your source or supplier list or whatever. That's where the real value is that Mike's talking about. And those kinds of people that can master those kinds of models will be able to make transformational change in supply chain and also to identify I mean, if you think about every node in a supply chain, a human being, the, the driver, the forklift driver, the receiver, the shipper, the picker, whatever, all of those people are part of the node, excuse me, the nodes of the supply chain, and they can be evaluated and optimized and, and integrated into a greater whole of technology and transportation and customs and paperwork and finance and all of those things that are included. And if we do that with these large graph models, then we can identify the highest and best use of human beings in the supply chain and also consider things like job satisfaction. I mean, think about it. AI thinks like a human. So if we force AI to think like that, then it will think in those ways and help us solve those problems in ways where humans are or must be involved and in a way that is much more satisfactory for a person's job experience. Love that, making job and work more fulfilling and rewarding for the human component, Greg. Excellent point amongst others you just made. But I'm thinking about that a lot. (laughs) Well, I love it. And I'm sure that will lead to some action and some outcomes. Mike, you want to respond to that? And then we're going to to start to kind of come down the home stretch. 
Yeah, I, I think the, I agree with Greg. I think, unfortunately or unfortunately for us, right, when I think about us as a research company, you know, chat GPT is a challenge for us, right? Someone can go into chat GPT and ask it, what should my sustainability strategy be? And mm -hmm. when we, as analysts, type that in, right, and we try to be objective and look at the response, in, in many instances, the responses are pretty good. So for us as a research company, and I think in general for organizations, it's what's the value add can you provide to the parliamentary, mm -hmm. right? Well, what, you know, can you bring examples? Can you bring, you know, other best practices? So as organizations wrestle with this idea of generative AI, you know, it, it does come back to, you know, Greg, you said it very well. It does come back to the human experience. Right. And, and, and we've been writing a lot about this idea of using kind of artificial intelligence. If I use that as the umbrella, how, how do you use that as an augmentation strategy, not a replacement strategy? And I think the more that companies can think about augmentation in terms of how can it help us make better decisions? How can it help us make better decisions faster? How can it great, great example? How can it look at the totality of our network? right down to those individual transactional types of things like people moving mm -hmm. stuff across pick slots that's where the value i think can start to to show up mm. well said i hate that we've got to kind of uh leave it there for this month's episode of supply chain today and tomorrow with mike griswold with gartner but hey i'm gonna squeeze one more one or two more things in josh goody has responded he talked yeah. about christmas earlier yeah so he says uh, <clears throat> they they moved an entire show and production to a ski resort with a few days notice, personnel, food, set equipment, production equipment, large live band. Also managed to get a hundred guys that served under a general to come during Christmas. Logistically insane. Josh, that is awesome. And by the way, that I think Josh. That is an example. Yeah, is I mean, a, that's a really strong practical example of supply chain. Yeah. Agreed. And I think Josh is a fellow veteran. So Josh confirmed that. I think he was in the army. So he may have seen some cool. military logistics firsthand for sure all right mike and greg this has been dynamite mike i want to ask you as we start to wrap uh, a couple final questions number one to you and greg's favorite topics of planning which we talk a lot about right here i know that gartner had some well-received planning conferences here yeah. recently i think one in the uk and one i think in arizona here in stateside key takeaway from that and what's to come at the world in the world of gartner yeah i think the key takeaway is while you know, planning has been around, you know, since Alexander the Great, th there is still continued interest in the topic. We had a thousand plus people in Phoenix just talking about the topic of planning. Uh, and it's interesting if I look at how that, how that two day session wa was composed or, or what it was comprised of, everything from process to technology to even areas around sustainability which we're starting to see work its way into some of these other functions, right? We think about sustainability, certainly in procurement. We think about it in transportation and warehousing. We're now starting to see people and we're seeing technology providers think about sustainability in, in their planning technology in terms of how do we bring sustainability in. So we had a great, from a Gartner perspective, we had a great event season, our two um, big supply chain events, our two planning events. Uh, we are now going to try to rest and relax and get ready for May and June of next year. 
with uh, two supply chain, uh, our big symposium events, uh, May and June in Orlando and Barcelona again. And then we'll have at least two planning summits. And I say at least because there's talk of potentially a manufacturing or a logistics or a procurement summit. That's still TBT, TBD by our events team. But we'll have, mm. uh, we'll be in London again. And then for those that like to ski, we will be in uh, Denver in uh, early December for the okay. planning summit, which doesn't work. For, I'm, I, I can't take my clubs. That does not work for me. <laughs> and I am not a skier. But uh, for those that do ski, uh, I'm guessing December in Colorado, probably worst places to be if you like to ski. Mm-hmm. Unquestionably. Well, sounds like a wonderful upcoming year and looking back, a successful year yeah. of events and uh, facil- uh, good information, facilitation, networking, you name it, this past year. So, uh, Mike, I appreciate that. Last question, Greg, as we try to connect people around here, how can folks connect with you and the Gartner team, Mike? LinkedIn, email, Mike.Griswold, Gartner.com. Go to the Gartner website. If you're interested in any research, you can always ping me on LinkedIn and I can point you in the right direction. But appreciate anyone that's been joining us this year that made it to any of, any of our events. Really appreciate the support and obviously appreciate that the time that you give us to do this once a month. And Greg and Scott uh, and Amanda and Catherine appreciate all the help that you've given me over the year. It's mm-hmm. been fantastic. That is, Thanks, wow. Mike. Greg, that, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Great to hear. Mike Griswold, we're looking forward to a, another big year of programming and one of our longest and more po- most popular series here at Supply Chain Now. Big thanks, Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. We'll see you soon. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. Take care. All right, Greg, that was a great session. So this is going to be probably the toughest question of the session, toughest mm-hmm. question of the hour, because I'm going to ask you for one of your patented but singular key takeaways from this hour here today. So, Greg, your thoughts. <laughs> uh, it is rare that anyone says anything so funny, as you, as anybody who watches this know, so funny on the show that I actually snort, laugh so hard that I snort, and so poignant. I mean, honestly, so well thought out what Mike thought about. And I think, the to me, the thing that struck me immediately was how deeply philosophical I mean, we know who Mike is, right? He's an outstanding and experienced practitioner. He's a top-level analyst. Everybody wants to know Mike. We know, but everybody wants to know Mike. And he's so legitimately skilled because he's a practitioner. He's had the experience. He's been there. He's done it. And now he's helping people do it so much better in their own businesses and find solutions for their businesses. So we know all of that about Mike. I just want to reiterate it for anybody who's new here. But just how deeply philosophical he was in thinking about that even surprised me and I've known Mike for longer than you have so and just the thought that he put into that and the way that he kind of broke down the whole Charlie Brown Christmas thing and then all the other movies as well but that one in particular of what is the true meaning of supply chain I think that is so poignant and it is so impactful and it is truly a guiding light for all of us every single day what is the true meaning of supply chain what is the true purpose let's say of supply chain right and it's with that singular thought that we can all be better in our jobs and for our companies and for our constituencies our customers trading partners the world whatever but when you recognize that highest purpose 
that North Star, and you work back from there into everything you do, you cannot go wrong. You just can't. You just have to remind yourself every day, what is the true purpose of supply chain? Well said. Poetic indeed, Greg White. Uh, great session here today. And as we're starting to wrap here, folks, we had a little fun today, but we walked away. If you're like me, I've got about 17 pages of notes here. Hopefully, it helped you get into the holiday spirit. And on that, you know, what we need to start adding in, you know, as we get into throughout December, you know, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy mm-hmm. holidays, all of that from our team. Goodwill to all of you out there listening. And there's a lot of new listeners out there, a lot of new viewers, which we are very appreciative of. But here's a challenge. If you're new, here's a challenge. If if you've been with us a while, here's a challenge. You know it. Greg and Mike dropped a lot of knowledge here today. Pick one thing, just one thing, and take it into tomorrow on the job or this afternoon on the job. Share it with your team members. Put it into action. Deeds, not words. And that's the name of the game, right? And on that note, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton and Greg White challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.